0: Is On Script, hosted by Jeremy Sasser, a podcast publication partnership between the Pharmacy Podcast Network and National Health Career Association. Our podcast is dedicated to providing the pharmacy technician workforce with news, real life stories, and discussions that can impact personal and professional growth. Here's Certified Pharmacy Technician and National Health Career Association Content Strategist, your host, Jeremy Sasser. Let's get on script with NHA
1: pharmacy podcast nation thanks once again for joining us uh, for another episode of on script powered by nha the only podcast on the pharmacy podcast network dedicated to the pharmacy technician workforce joined today once again by the hostess with the mostest jessica langley thank you jessica for being here
2: Of course, you're way too nice, but as always excited to be um, a part of these episodes and to learn all that I can about the wonderful world of pharmacy and the role that pharmacy technicians play. So thanks.
1: You know, I feel like I have to do better. i I, I have threatened to get myself a little compilation of uh, adjectives and like an accompanying thesaurus. So I'm gonna have to work on on your intro and and finding descriptors. but uh I'll
0: thank hold you, you to that. Uh,
1: <laughs> I yeah, please do, please do. Um I am really excited today about the guests that we have. Uh, we are fortunate enough to have two. Um, leading researchers in the field of administrative pharmacy and in particular uh, pharmacy technician workforce issues uh, and research, associated research. Uh, Today we have uh, with us Dr. Shane Desell from Toro University, California School of Pharmacy, and Dr. Kenneth Homeyer from the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, College of Pharmacy. Gentlemen, thank you guys so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you.
2: It's a pleasure. To be here. Jeremy, I think so. they, are, they now have earned the title of um, the top reoccurring um, speakers on the podcast. So this is their oh, that's right. maybe second, maybe third time of, of doing one of these. Sorry. So they are our very special guest um, on the On Script podcast. And we know we'll have them back in the future to talk about other topics as well, but it's kind of nice to to let them know they've earned that that kind of award with us. Well, thank yeah, you. Absolutely, as
3: lucrative as this is, I could
4: I could do this every week.
1: Who, who's this we- lucrative for? I thought you guys were just gluttons for punishment.
4: <laughs> well, there's of course that, but I, I also was told there'd be a t-shirt somewhere in this uh, deal too.
2: Only if it's a Kansas City oh. Chiefs Super Bowl t-shirt. Oh. <laughs> we'll see after this wow. week. It but took even
4: to, less
1: time for that to come up than I thought it would. Very nice.
2: On, on to bigger and better things pharmacy related.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, well, we have Dr. Homeyer and Dr. Desell here today uh, to talk about a research paper that they co-authored that had the distinction of winning the Widerholt Prize. Uh, Hold me to that pronunciation. Sorry, Weiderhold Award uh, as being the top paper submitted to the Journal of the American Pharmacists Association for 2020. So, congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Thank
3: you, thank you, Jeremy.
1: So, maybe uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar, maybe can you just uh, maybe start out by explaining what the award is and kind of how uh, it's decided. Uh, the the uh, award is is
3: is uh, otherwise known as the quote unquote best paper from the Journal of the American Pharmacists Association in the previous year or so. Uh, and it is it is not based on uh, citations or or anything of that sort. It is uh, there is a a panel of of scientists in in the field of pharmacy that are convened uh, by by the association. Uh, and they review papers that are nominated and based upon a number of criteria that they have which i'm i'm not necessarily privy to but it's probably along the lines of the saliency of the topic the methodological rigor with which it was conducted and other things like that simply re- review as a, as an entire panel and select in 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 their in their view the best paper
2: well, what an exciting um, opportunity for you guys, not only to have your your research and your work, you know, be identified in this capacity, um, you know, we are well aware at NHA about um, the work that you guys do and just the advocates that you are for pharmacy technicians So when we heard this, we were super excited about it, not only for the for the profession, but for you guys as well. And we wanted to have you join an episode to really dig in a bit around what was that paper, the topic, obviously, why it was important to you and how it, you know, kind of relates and the importance that it has for, for pharmacy technicians. So kind of as we work through talking, you know, about that topic, we definitely want to highlight some of the key, key findings and things that if you could, you know, have five minutes with a technician to summarize what the paper was about, um, you know, being able to share, share that with them. So let's, uh, let's jump right in and, and let one of you kind of explain to us what the initial, um, you know, headline was for the research and and why you guys chose that.
4: Yeah, sure. So the the long and short of the paper is is really an exploration into the implementation of something that's called the optimizing care model. And this is something that's been studied um, at least a, a handful of times over the past few years but never in the way that we um, studied it, which was a series of interviews conducted in the three main states that are are investigating this model right now. The model itself is is really about placing the pharmacist primarily in direct patient care roles, so clinical services within the community pharmacy. And the, the method behind that, the thing that makes that work is by placing the pharmacy technician in a position of um, doing final product verification, uh, which has been called a lot of different names, Tech Check Tech, uh, Technician Product Verification, Uh, but essentially it's the the technician reviewing the product that was selected after data entry and data verification um, and making sure that that product that was selected is the right product that matches with what was verified on, on data verification. So it, it really takes a step that has historically been the pharmacist step, at least in community pharmacies, and places it um, in, in the hands of pharmacy technicians, uh, uh, trained and certified pharmacy technicians.
2: Now, as you talk about that, we know that that is considered kind of an advanced role for technicians. And there are many states that have done pilots or looking, you know, towards research such as this to um, discuss whether or not they want to make that an allowable duty, you know, for technicians in their state. So can Can you just touch base a little bit about, you know, how widely is technician product verification um, accepted within the different states? And have you seen kind of any movement or change because of some of the research and the data and evidence that you're being able to provide to not only employers, but also regulators and legislators within the boards of pharmacy? Uh,
3: Jessica, I think we're seeing, uh, you know, a, a, a significant move movement uh, throughout the u.s right now um, you know there's you know it, it's hard to quantify a specific number of states that allow this or that and the other because many of the board regulations might be you know a little fuzzy some of them concentrate on what the technician can do others list things that they can't do um, but we're, we are seeing a sea change over the last few years uh, the the number of states that are allowing uh, a greater scope of practice is expanding uh, significantly. And the, the thing I'd like to add uh, to, to what Ken described in the paper is that, yes, relating to your question, Jessica, uh, this, uh, this has been sent out in email blast by NACDS as uh, the quote-unquote right model moving forward in community pharmacy. Uh, they cited Wisconsin and, uh, as, as already having made changes uh, to their scope of practice as a direct result of this model. Uh, other states that are exploring changes in their scope of practice as a result of this model, and still others that that are that are moving in in the direction we are favoring, uh, with regards to our paper, or, or not necessarily even with regards to the specific paper. Some some movement has been occurring even prior to that paper being published, of course, which was which was not very long ago. Uh, and 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 the other thing I would I would add uh, to what Ken uh, mentioned a moment ago is that in, in this research, we we talked to people. Um, Ken mentioned interviews, and, and they were so edifying. The fact that pharmacists and technicians were in agreement that uh, this was um, uh, helpful in so many ways, because the pharmacists were the, the research actually showed that pharmacists were more involved in direct patient care activities. And it also showed that pharmacists and technicians were more satisfied with their jobs months into this this new model than they were before.
1: That's really, really great news. I I know that early on, um, when technician product verification was kind of building steam, I noticed uh, that there seemed to be a lot of variance from state to state around the training requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many how many prescriptions uh, does a pharmacy technician need to check for accuracy uh, prior to being let loose on their own? Uh, you know, what kind of error detection rates? Um, you know, or what kind of errors need to be implemented into that flow so that you can determine error detection rates? Is any of this research going to um, help? Are we anywhere closer kind of figuring out what the sweet spot is in terms of, you know, how many prescriptions it takes to get a technician to feel, you know, confident about their abilities to do this and so that we can hopefully move toward more of a uniform requirement?
4: I I don't know um, if, if this is a direct link to that Per se, I, I think to um, Shane's point, this, this builds on really a, a, a long list of research that's been done over the past several decades. Um, Shane, by the way, being one of the, the leading researchers in sort of these advanced roles over the last couple of decades. Um, so I think there's still some work to be done to, to have some really clear understanding of what those numbers look like. I don't know, though, if I can make a prediction that that's going to happen at this point within the research world. I, I think at this point, there's the research, the research has done what it's supposed to do. It, it has shown that this is both a safe and effective model for freeing up pharmacists' time to provide those, those care services and that technicians uh, are well qualified to do this with training and, and certification and that it's it's beneficial for the entire pharmacy's morale. Uh, quality of work life went up for both the pharmacists and the technicians. So the research has put that forward. I think what will be interesting now is to see how states find different ways to implement this model. Um, and it'll be a whole bunch of little micro experiments from Idaho to Wisconsin to Tennessee. Um, and somewhere in there we will probably arrive at a consensus about what is best but I think if I if I had to predict, and this is just a prediction, it's going to happen on uh, a state regulatory level at this point. It's sort of going to be out in in um, the, a natural experiment way, outside of the hands of research and really in the hands of, of boards of pharmacy.
3: And different states are going to respond differently. Um, you know, Ken, Ken pointed to the fact that you know, and you did, Jeremy, in your question that you know things are. Uh, you know, as, as long as practice is, is regulated and promulgated the way it is, that is on a state by state basis, there's going to be some differences. Uh, there's differences of course, in educational requirements, uh, you know, in- entry into the profession, uh, the extent to which certification is required and so forth and so on. But each state's going to react differently. Like Ken mentioned that it's going to be up to these regulators but I, I can speak with some optimism though that, that the, the reactions are, are positive to the research. Uh, I know I, I reside in California and right now they're looking at an advanced practice uh, designation uh, for, for, for technicians. Um, that is not necessarily based on our work per se, but I, I know I have been asked to talk to the board uh, and, uh, and others have as well. And so while California might end up uh, reacting with an advanced practice designation, uh, other states might say, well, we don't need an advanced practice designation. We're just going to advance everyone's scope of practice regardless. So different states are going to react in different ways, but the direction they're moving at least is all in a positive one, even if they come at it from a little bit different angle or direction.
2: So sure. you, you mentioned from some of the the findings, you know, from the research in the paper that it was widely accepted by both pharmacists and, you know, pharmacy technicians. Can you talk a little bit more about, you know, some of the benefits for each? You know, we've said and have heard in the past, for example, that, you know, pharmacists that are not having to worry about doing that final product verification Um And kind of split their mind between two, three, four different activities that are happening or going on within the pharmacy at that time that oftentimes can lead them to be distracted or to perhaps make mistakes. Um, You know, in having a technician and giving them the ability to do this, you know against both of those roles what are what are some of the high points that we're we're seeing for each of them as a result of you know some of the research and the, the surveys and the conversations that you guys had
4: so uh, a couple that come to mind for sure are right along the lines that you you've already um, kind of described Jessica it it is this idea that look we're we're already training both individuals, the pharmacist and the pharmacy technician at a level that is higher than the current level of practice. And so all this optimizing care model is really doing is saying, now let's utilize the training that everybody has to, to its utmost. Let's put the pharmacist in a position where they can use every bit of knowledge that's gained during upwards of eight years plus postgraduate training in patient care. Let's let's have you use that in the community pharmacy setting. Uh, same goes for the pharmacy technicians. Um, so it's this professional satisfaction, I think, which was articulated a lot in the in the interviews, both um, within the pharmacist and the technician that I am doing everything I can as part of a member of this team to uh, take care of the patient. For the pharmacist, it really meant I feel professionally satisfied and, and um, I feel like I'm able to do the things I've been wanting to do. For the technician, it's, I, I feel like um, I've got almost a. This wasn't articulated specifically, but a career ladder option beyond what I had before. Uh, it was the sentiment. I, I, there's another level for me to advance within the community pharmacy, which makes the community pharmacy more attractive to me um, than it had previously. Because otherwise, I might have had to go to a health system or a hospital where there, there was a more formal career ladder for the, the next step. Um, so that, that certainly is, is, I think, a a huge component of it. This helps
3: technicians to see the value in their work. And, and I think from what, not necessarily this research paper, but, but in looking at other papers and in the conversations that Ken and I have had with various stakeholders, uh, it's, it's, it's clear that, um, technicians are, are seeing a greater self-efficacy and are seeing the contributions that they make to the organization. And likewise, their organizations and the pharmacists are are, are sending that message to them, that they are more likely to, to tell technicians that they are a valuable member of the team. You know, something that we've been saying and, and others have started to say for the last two or three years, I think that, that should be, that bears repeating, is that, you know, we, we hear the term practice at the top of your license and to a number of people in pharmacy uh, who weren't necessarily looking ahead, uh, that, that notion was, well, just add more activities to, to, to my plate. When actually practicing at the top of your license for pharmacists, well, and other health professionals mean that you're actually able to, to delegate tasks to others so that you actually create your own work environment. So rather than a, a long list of activities, pharmacists being able to design the workplace and leverage the skills of technicians uh, is really practicing at the top of your license as opposed to just adding more things to, to, to do that will only stress them out.
1: I uh, One of the most interesting findings um, that you... Um, elucidated for me on your 2015 workforce study for technicians was the very small gap in pay between technicians who were highly satisfied with their job versus those who weren't. Um, And I think it's it's important, uh, again, to point out that you know, while while pay comes up a lot and a lot of questions around while well, advancing the technician scope of practice, what is that going to mean in terms of uh, of pay? When it comes down to it, at the practitioner level, technicians value the role that they have and the perceived value of their peers over um, necessarily huge gains in pay.
3: Right. And that, that, that study that you know that that, that study didn't suggest that, that pay is, is unimportant. And, and and we and Ken and I both believe that, that technicians should be should be compensated uh, more than they are now, and that we need to determine uh, models that will enhance the the bottom line for technicians in terms of their value. But that's that but that's the point. It's not so much the pay as an extrinsic motivator, but an intrinsic motivator. And ref- referring back to that research, Jeremy, it's that um, it's that a little raise, a little a little monetary recognition, uh, along with intrinsic type of motivating, like you know, talking to people and telling them their value, just goes such a long, long way. So yes, every, I, I don't know anybody that wouldn't like more money. Uh, but what, what employees really value is um, their employer recognizing them for the hard work that they're doing. And if, if budgets are tight, you know, there, there's, there's ways to, to overcome that and still let people know that what they're doing is of value. And that's what, that's what technicians want. That's what everybody wants.
2: I want to transition a little bit um, to still capturing kind of the principles of the optimizing care model and, you know, placing the pharmacist in as much patient care related activities as possible. We've seen that now more than ever be very important in um, this crisis, this health crisis that that we're dealing with. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, Either some of what you discovered or found in working on this particular paper or other research that you're doing that has allowed or given opportunities for technicians um, to accelerate on those career paths or to gain more of that recognition and validation. Because we have seen that been, you know, sprinkled in here, right, in in the wake of the pandemic and in many states. And we were super excited you know, recently to have Department of Health and, and Human Services give a, a guidance document recognizing all licensed pharmacy technicians and giving them the ability to provide vaccinations. So I just, I want to, you know, maybe chat a little bit about how you tie some of your earlier research into what's happening now, and then maybe how that will springboard, right, what's to come next for the profession of pharmacy technicians
4: yeah if if I can, I, I'd say at a high level, I think it's it's a um, something that I said a little bit ago about, you know, we've got well-trained workforce on the technician and the pharmacist side, but practice has not kept up with the training that's available at, and the intrinsic desire to do some of these advanced skills on both parts, the technician and the pharmacist. And so what CoVID has done is accelerate, regulations um to catch up to where the training is already and, and so now we've got pharmacy technicians involved in everything from point of care testing through actual vaccines i think um it, there's other advanced roles which will um necessarily um uh, be, be brought to the forefront because of uh things like point of care testing and vaccines i think the optimizing care model is is one of those pieces in fact i I've heard it said that you, you, it's very hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube once it's been squeezed, right? So I, I think in general, once we leave this pandemic um, that we're in right now, there's going to be a much different perception of what pharmacy is and a much greater desire to continue the, the new ways we've approached work um, and, you know, into the future.
2: That's what I was kind of alluding to and wondering because of the changes. You know, do we think that there'll be a regression back, or do we feel like the profession will accept this and stabilize to a point right now to um, really look at what happened during this space and the fact that they most likely will not find too many ill effects, right? Of um, both pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. Working to the top of their license or to the top level of whatever training that they have, and the hopes that they won't go backwards, they'll only see this as a stepping stone to moving forward.
3: There'll be no regression if it's a if it's a, if it's a success, and everything right now points to it being a success. Uh, with with tech uh, ta- with technicians more involved in product verification, with technicians more involved in vaccination, as Ken just mentioned. Um, we're, we're seeing research and we're seeing it, even, even things that haven't been reported yet in the literature, we, we're just talking to people who are out there on the front lines with technicians and vaccinations are being administered safely. Uh, product verification is happening safely. Uh, technicians are getting more involved in taking medication histories in both the community and the hospital setting. That's being done effectively. There's been studies comparing um, Technicians, uh, medication history taking with that of nurses and even other pharmacists. Uh the, the results are very positive. So it, you know, that you, you always have naysayers, you always have people that are a little scared of the future. That's that's the case with pharmacy, that's the case with 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 human nature. Uh, but when when a naysayer when the when the dust is settling off of COVID, when that when that happens, um, you know, for for every naysayer that comes out there and says, well, I, you know, I'm not sure about what we just did in the last 6, 12, 18 months expediting things so quickly, you're going to have a lot of other voices drowning that person out saying it, it, it worked. Why, why should we go back to something um, if, it, if it was if before it, we found out that this worked entirely?
2: It's a great point.
1: Yeah, and I and I actually I just read today uh, that the new uh, administration beginning February 11th is going to start shipping uh, COVID 19 vaccines directly to uh, retail pharmacies, particularly ones in hotspot areas where there there are a lot of cases, um, rather than waiting as it is right now for pharmacies to get the vaccine from the state um, that they're in. So. I think just from reading that, I think anecdotally it shows uh, the recognition that if we're really going to, you know hit the 100 million people, you know, 100 million vaccinated people by the end of the year, mark the importance that pharmacies play in achieving that number and just in general, getting as many vaccines into arms as, as possible.
3: And some of the things I've seen lately uh, suggest that uh, states that have been utilizing independent pharmacies more, and this is nothing to take away from from our chains, we're we're, we're doing a fabulous job in in rolling up their sleeves and and getting out there and and making a name for pharmacy. But uh, some states have taken a more aggressive approach to leveraging the use of independent pharmacies. And from what I've seen, this isn't in the peer-reviewed literature yet, but it's been in professional literature and, and other uh, places of, of notable record that states that have been um, leveraging independent pharmacies are actually ahead of the game in terms of where they're at in, in, their, in their vaccination numbers. So the point is not to, not to exclude or preclude chains, but to, but to add independent pharmacies to the chains uh, and, and getting, getting it out there. Cause it, it it's, it's going to be good. It's good for the profession. And we always want that. You, you, you guys want what's good for the profession. Ken and I want what's good for the profession, but all of us mostly want what's good for the patient. And that's, that's what, that's what we really want.
2: Absolutely. And what a better example of the optimizing care model, right. Than than that example right there. And we know when you talk about combining the retail and the community, you know, pharmacist and pharmacies 95% of our population lives within 5 miles of that so that exposure that um accessibility which we know is super important right now is there through that mechanism and so it's just been amazing to see um you know the role that that the pharmacy profession has has played in this and will continue to play and hopefully um lend to just More and more success as we hopefully draw this pandemic to you know a close within the next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed.
4: Fingers crossed. And I I
2: might add, you know, uh, uh,
4: just the fact that uh, community pharmacies, how they implement something like the optimizing care model. What's what's exciting about it is it can be implemented in so many different ways because. A, a rural community pharmacy is serving a different population with different needs than an urban than a suburban, and so all the optimizing care model is saying is, look, we're freeing up your time to meet the needs of your patients in your community, and that's just something we need so bad in healthcare right now. Absolutely, absolutely, that's a that's a great point.
1: Um, w- one thing I've been curious about, and since since you both are also in the academic setting. One aspect of the uh, pharmacy workforce that we don't touch on too much is uh, pharmacy interns. Uh, These are pharmacy students that are currently uh, in pharmacy school. How has elevating the technician role and advancing the role of the technician along with, with pharmacists where has that put pharmacy interns in terms of the training that they're receiving when they're putting in their hours at a, at a pharmacy and, and what they're allowed, you know, what they're legally able to do and, and what, if any, impact has that had on interprofessional relationships between technicians, interns, and pharmacists?
3: Well, that's a great question, Jeremy. And, and you know, what? that's, that's positive as well, because, you know, in, in many respects, you know, from a, from a, from a, from an employer standpoint, and from a regulatory standpoint, pharmacy students that are studying in, the, in their PharmD programs and pharmacy technicians are, are somewhat equivalent, if you will, in terms of their, their, their job scope. And right now, uh, as we speak, we, we see PharmD students side by side with technicians, with their proverbial work sleeves rolled up, administering vaccines and getting out there and demonstrating that pharmacy is a major component of public health. And these students are working side by side with technicians and they're seeing the competence of those technicians. And so what's good, what's great about this is that when they become pharmacists in just a year or two or three, and they're going to be much more favorably predisposed toward technicians and their work and, and how to talk with them and how to treat them as employees and as peers uh, than I think pharmacists might have been years and years ago.
4: And, and to bring this sort of full circle, um, one of the facilitators we saw to technicians taking on technician product verification duties or tech check tech duties was having a pharmacist advocate. Um, even if the the technician was both well-qualified, uh, talented, and certified, uh, there's often an initial hesitation to take on that additional role within the pharmacy. And that was overcome by a, a pharmacist who advocated that this individual should step up to that role because it's a benefit to their patient population. So um, I, I think those things feed into each other. The, the, the uh, new pharmacists coming to the profession, seeing just the immense value of pharmacy technicians uh, and the role that pharmacy technicians can play in supporting pharmacists is, is only going to accelerate all of the things that we've talked about uh, so far today
1: that's that's great to hear I mean I I was fortunate enough throughout my career for the most part i I always landed with very supportive uh pharmacists and uh, who would put a lot of trust in me and advocated for me so I'm grateful for that but you know there have been a couple of times uh, working with uh pharmacists where there's just a palpable tension Um in in terms of just being treated very condescendingly I mean and it's just it's not a good work environment and uh, I'm thankful that I didn't have to do that day in and day out it was only kind of sporadic but I can only imagine um, a technician who has to work in that kind of uh, environment how they must feel about about their job so that's really great to hear uh, both about pharmacists and pharmacy, pharmacy interns, um, you know, recognizing and, um, you know, recognizing and accepting the, the things that technicians can do and, and the value they bring to pharmacy. So that's, that's really promising.
3: Well, as King suggested, it never hurts to have an advocate, it never hurts to have a champion, it never hurts to have a mentor.
4: And for those who are listening who may not have um, those advocates at their pharmacy right now know that the tide is changing um, and, and certainly um, I would just uh, advise you to, to keep optimistic and stay positive because um, that practice environment you're in right now is is not representative of, of where the profession's heading and and uh, I think there's going to be significant changes that that you'll see into the future so just hang in there uh, and uh, and when there there does come to be a pharmacist there at your site who who really does see good things in you, um, uh, ask for that mentorship as as Shane alluded to. Uh, it, it, it's, I, I can't say enough good things about the technicians uh, technicians I've worked with over my career. In fact, I, I would say that because I've worked with such talented, wonderful technicians throughout my career, it's why I'm. Doing the research I'm doing right now with Shane on pharmacy technicians, is I, I see the value that, that you will bring to the table. So um, do hold on to those relationships that you have and, and have that person uh, help to elevate you in, in your career.
2: Well, and what great advice um, from you, Ken, on that. And I know Shane echoes that just from the work that we've been able to do with the two of you over the past. And we know you guys are huge advocates for technicians, not only, you know, in doing the research that you do, but other advocacy efforts um, alongside of that. So again, just really great advice um, to stay positive and to really focus on the great things that pharmacy technicians are, are doing, especially right now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dr. Desell and Dr. Holmeyer, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure. Um, one one of my favorite sayings is, "If you ever find yourself to be the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room." So, uh, which is why we invited you to our virtual room. So we always get so much from you and and uh, technicians in general. I mean, again, working with pharmacists who are supportive and advocate, I mean, technicians get so much experience and and gain so much knowledge in those situations as as well. So really appreciate uh, having you guys. Jessica, did you have any uh, further questions for these gentlemen?
2: I don't think so. Just another big shout out to you guys for joining us and for all of the great information and insights that you um, provide and the support that you give um, to technicians all across the country. Just thank you so much.
3: And likewise, thank you for having us and uh, know that Ken and I are really happy working with NHA because um, yes, you all are certifying technicians, but you're also advocating and you're you're helping to make positive strides for for the profession uh and for its patients and it would be easy for you to just sit back and certify people and just leave it leave it at that uh but you're doing more so that that's one of the reasons we're talking with you today absolutely true
1: appreciate that appreciate that and and dr omair asari uh again for the the end of the season for for your cleveland browns but uh as as a Cubs fan would say, there's always next season, right?
4: We say the same thing in Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> we've said it this year as well. Well, I, and and um, uh, for you and for Jessica, I'll I'll throw out there. I'm pulling for the Chiefs uh, this week. No Chiefs. Awesome. <laughs>
1: We always love listening uh, or hearing rather from our listeners. So if you would like to shoot us an email, our email is on script at nhanow.com. You can always find all of our episodes of the podcast on our website uh, where our blog lives. That is located at www.nhanow.com backslash learning dash leading. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast, like it, send us your comments uh, on whatever platform you like to listen to your podcast on, whether that's Apple, Spotify, uh, or a plethora of other ones that are out there. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay well, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to Onscript, where we cast a spotlight on pharmacy technicians, the services they provide, and to the patients they serve. So, for all the spatula warriors, TPN ninjas, and lieges of levigation, this podcast is for you. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or go to PharmacyPodcast.com.